<laughs> oh, this is a good crowd today. I know a lot of sickness going on and so forth, but it's good to see all of you. Thank you for coming. Look at Mark chapter 5, if you will, please. The gospel according to Mark chapter 5. We'll look at verses 35 through 43. Good to have visitors today. Thank you for coming. We enjoy your presence with us. Hope you come back and see us again. Mark 5, 35 through 43. If you'll stand, please, we'll look at these verses together. Rodney, you might turn that down just a touch. I might be a little too hot up here. Mark 5, 35, if you will, please. Now, Jesus has just been talking to the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years and healing her. And uh, verse 35 picks up with that. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any farther? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, that is Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and saith the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he came in, he saith unto them, Why make you this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he put them all out, he taketh the father and mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose. I can't help but just say, praise God, that's amazing. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished, great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Look back at the last part of verse 35, the question there that the servants from Jairus' house ask Jairus. Why troublest thou the master any farther? That'll serve as the title of the message today. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for the joy of being here this morning. Oh, I've missed this place and the wonderful fellowship and the togetherness that we enjoy we do pray for the prayer request that Sherry mentioned, and we love to help people any way we can. This is a praying church and a caring church, and I thank you for the joy and the privilege of being a part of it. And now, Holy Spirit, would you be our preacher? Would you share with us wonderful words of life? And do what only you can do in this place. And dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do, for asking ask it in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. This occasion in the life of our Lord is filled with wonderful truth. As far as the occasion is concerned, Jesus had been over in Gadara healing the maniac who was demon-possessed. And when he healed that man, they asked him to leave. Isn't that something? They didn't want him around. And so he left, crossed over the Sea of Galilee again, came back over into Capernaum, where thousands of people were waiting for him, thronging him as they did in that area. A Jewish ruler named Jairus came and fell at the feet of the Lord Jesus and began to beg and say, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is dying. And Luke bears out it was his only daughter. 
The Savior, out of compassion, agreed to go to his house. But in route, there was this woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years spent all she had, seen every doctor she could see, rather grew worse. I know some doctors like that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you just spend all you got, and they say, well, take this pill, if that don't kill you, we'll try something else. But anyway, uh, she tried everything. And Jesus stopped and ministered to that woman and healed her. But while he was ministering to her, Jairus' little girl died. And then the servants came from Jairus' house. And Jesus already knew what was going on because he knows everything, right? But they came over and they said to Jairus, Don't trouble Jesus anymore because your daughter's already dead. To them it's finality. There's nothing else can be done. All hope is gone. What could Jesus do? And so that's the setting before us today. Now there's a couple of problems with what they said to Jairus in relation to Jesus about you don't need to trouble him. It's too late now. Uh, what could he do about it? The first thing, that disregards the Lord's passion. It disregards his passion. What a false assumption to think that Jesus would walk away and leave that poor man standing there whose only daughter had died, that he would go on his way and do nothing about it. What a false assumption to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be that disinterested and not caring about what was going on and going on the way to minister to others. That's totally foreign to what the Bible says and how it portrays our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Kings 13, 23, we're told, the Lord is gracious unto all and has compassion on all. Psalm 111, verse four, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Aren't you glad he is? Aren't you glad he cares? Thank God for the loving, caring heart of our Lord Jesus. Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. That word means he was driven. He was consumed with the needs of those people before him. He loved them and he wanted to help them and he would do anything to help them. And he did, in fact, help every one of them that would allow him to do so. But these servants of Jesus, uh, of, of Jairus, thought so little about Jesus that they said to Jairus, there's nothing Jesus can do. Your daughter's already dead. Hopefully everybody in this room knows more than that about Jesus Christ. Amen. To think that there's some situation, there's something going on in your life that the Lord can't handle. There's something so serious and so dire in its nature that the Lord can't come to you and step into your situation and do something about it. I hope everyone in here knows more about Jesus than that because that's not like him at all. That's a false assumption. It disregards how much he really cares. Nobody cares. Frank Graft, who was a Methodist minister many years ago, no one knows what happened in that man's life, but he became so broken, Sherry, so disheartened that one day he fell on the ground and he said, I can't go any farther. I can't take any more. 
And while he was there on his face, in total, total trauma and desperation, he said, this wonderful peace came over me. And this joy unspeakable began to fill my life. And he said, I jumped up and I said, I know he cares. I know my Savior cares. And that's where we got that grand old hymn, Does Jesus Care? After that, he became the minister of sunshine. Everybody called him the, the sunshine minister. It changed his life. You know why? You don't ever give up on Jesus. To ask if he could do anything is ridiculous. He can do anything. And for those servants of Jairus to come to him and say, don't bother Jesus about it. Why trouble him? It's too late now. Your daughter's already gone. It's never too late for Jesus to help. It never is. That's wonderful. Hebrews 4.15 is an unusual verse, and you teachers in here, you know this. It has a double negative in it. That's not proper English structure. Here's what it says. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You would normally say we have a high priest who can be touched with our infirmities, but the reason it has a double negative is to emphasize this. Not only is it possible for him to be touched with our infirmities, it is impossible for him not to be touched with our infirmities. And I love that structure. I love that verse. It is impossible for him not to be touched. There's a second problem with what these fellows said about Jesus to Jairus. If you'd like to know what it is, say amen. 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 Not only is it in disregard to his passion, it is in disregard to his power. Job 37, 23 says, touching the almighty, he is excellent in power. I love that. Jesus goes on toward the home of Jairus. You ever wondered what Jairus was thinking while they were walking along together? He knew his daughter was dead. The servants told him that. Can you imagine what was going through that man's mind? And, and I'm sure he thought, is Jesus really going to be able to help? I mean, why is he going on to the house? He's already aware that my daughter is dead. Why is he doing this? Is he really going to be able to make a difference? And Jesus had already said to him in verse 36, don't be afraid, only believe. And so they went there. The family was heartbroken. Uh, there was weeping and wailing, according to verse 38. I mean, and they hired professional mourners. That's the way they did it in Jewish times. But the family was absolutely crushed. What if this had been over at your house? What if one of your children had died? What if it had been your only child? They were crushed. They were weeping. They were thinking, we've got to contact the rest of the family. We've got to start making funeral plans. Our precious baby girl, our daughter, is gone. And they were so crushed. When they arrived, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and the parents back to the back part of the house and I, I pulled this up on Facebook I wanted to get a mental picture of how Jerry's house looked and it's it, the big round room there just one big family room and they all 
use that room and share that room. They'd eat in it, they'd sleep in it. But back in the back of it was this little area, and that's where the lifeless body of Jerry's daughter lay. They went back there, and Jesus said, I say unto thee, rise. Now listen, listen to me. I'm talking about the power of Almighty God. There was no power in this universe that could have withstood Jesus' command for that little girl to rise, for the life to come back into her body. No power in this universe could have stopped that from happening. He has all power. And when he said, I say unto thee, arise, you know what happened? She arose. Wow, that's exciting. And she walked around and he gave her back to the family. Can you imagine the unspeakable joy, the unbelief for one reason. They were astonished at the beginning. That's right. Let's go over to Brandon's funeral home a minute. Do you care if we go there a minute? Suppose that someone all of us really loved, everyone in this room had died, and we were all over there paying our respects over there in the viewing area, place jammed. All of us loved that person's soul. And this stranger, mysterious person comes in and leans over into the casket and whispers into that lifeless body. And all of a sudden, the one we all love here so much, they're gone now. But they set up in the casket. You know what we do first? Exit the building. <laughs> Me first. <laughs> but when we regained our composure, got our senses back, We'd run back in there, and there he stands. The person we all love so much, and we, we're saying our goodbyes, we've all wept over, he's gone, and now here he is again. Wouldn't that do something special for you? Think about this family here. What it did when Jesus gave that daughter back to mom and dad and all the family, there she stands, a 12-year-old girl, alive after she had died. No greater miracle that Jesus ever did was greater than raising someone from the dead. Now here's the obvious conclusion. If he can do that, he can do anything. Right. Am I right? If he can raise the dead, which is the greatest miracle he ever performed, then he can do anything. Now let's bring this home to you. What is your situation today? What is it that seems insurmountable to you? You, you, can't, you can't fix it. You can't change it. You struggled and struggled and struggled. Some of you may have struggled with something for years or something more recently. But I hope you know more than the servants of Jairus when they looked at Jesus and said, there's not even anything he can do. I hope you know better than that. That no matter what's going on, it's not too late for him to do something for you. Is it a health thing? Is it your health? My wife said something to me this morning she hasn't said in a long time. She said, I'm depressed. Now you gotta know her, she doesn't get depressed. But she said this morning, I'm depressed. 
11 months of continual pain. No break, 11 months. And she said, I, I'm just depressed. Let me ask you something. Do I need to look at my Lord and say, this is too tough even for you? Or do I need to look at my Lord and say, you can help with that. You can. No one else may be able to, but it's not too late. I know you can help, my darling. Some of you may be struggling. I'll get Michael back there with his help. Ricky's been through so much. What about broken families? What about your spouse? They're not with you today. They're not in church. Can't get them to come. What about a wayward child? You raised them right. They're not in church. Breaking your heart. You can't talk to them. They won't listen. Yeah. Is there anything Jesus can do about that? Do we need to bother him with it? Do we need to talk with him about it? Would it make any difference? Are the servants of Jairus right when they said to Jairus when his daughter died, oh, don't trouble Jesus with this. It's too late now. Is that really the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, with your situation? If it is, we're in a world of trouble and we don't have any hope. If Jesus can't help you, you don't have any hope at all. What about some besetting sin, some sin that you can't seem to break away from you? You do that and you say, oh, I know that's wrong. I'm so ashamed. And you're not going to do it again. You say, I'm done with it. But then it comes back around. Seems to have a hold on you. Does Jesus have the power to break that besetting sin that you cannot seem to gain control of? Of course he has that power. If he can raise the dead, he can do anything. Thank you, Lord. We all have problems in here. We all have needs. And some of us just need to run down here this morning and fall at his feet like Jairus did and say, please help me. Please help me. Even though these men say it's too late, I do not believe that. I believe you can help me. Some of us are wanting to do that today. So would you stand, please, with heads bowed? Everyone standing and our musicians are coming. Don't ever think about Jesus the way these fellows did. Wow, why trouble Jesus with it? Already too late now. Never too late for him. He cares about you. He can make a difference for you. If I didn't believe that, now I want you to listen to me. If I didn't believe that, I'd get in my car and go home, and I would not come back over here tonight. I'd get out of the ministry. I'd be honest about it and just get out of it. I have to know it's real. And ladies and gentlemen, it is real. And he's here for you today. I wonder while they begin playing whenever they're ready. How many of you, first of all, could say, Preacher, I'm saved with the grace of God. Christ lives in my heart to die today and go to heaven. Can I see your hands? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a man, woman, boy, or girl in this house that say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. I don't promise that I'll come, but I've been thinking about it. Please pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? God bless you. God bless you. I've been praying for you a long time. And this may be the day you want to come. You know what's best.
knows the Lord is telling you to come today. Preacher, I have a situation. Well, I've been struggling with it a long time. Or it may be most recent. And I can't get over it, around here through it. It's bigger than I am. I can't handle it. And if Jesus would have Jairus, when it seemed too late, and everybody was telling him it was too late, if Jesus could help Jairus raise his daughter back, Jesus can help me and my family. Jesus can help my needs. And I want to be remembered in prayer. God knows my need today, preacher. Pray for me. Lift your hand. God bless you all over the building. All right. We're going to sing, and I want you to just start coming as you want to now. No pressure. Just come if you want to come, like Jerry's did and fell at the feet of Jesus. Kelton, you tell us what we're seeing today. We're going to sing. Coming to me, page 44. Everybody, everybody knows that song. You sing it out with him. You come, you just start coming to this wonderful Savior. God bless you.
and then the deacons meeting going on at the same time and all of you it's good to see you i'll be at the door as you leave and we'll just catch up on a little bit of loving and fellowship how about that god bless you we have some folks that are going to be joining with us when they get over their sickness but uh, we want to see people saved and brought to the lord right. and you invite people in sunday school all of them are working hard together and we're moving forward with everything uh, oh my brother carrie Autry, we love you and miss brenda oh miss brenda's doing all right today and so you close us in prayer we'll see all of you at five o'clock dear heavenly father come to you lord we thank you for today we ask lord that you be with those that have lost loved ones lord we know that you can comfort them in a special way, Lord. Be with them and touch them in a special way, Lord. Lord, we ask you to be with all the sick in the church and around the neighborhood, Lord. We ask you to be with them and bless them in a special way, Lord. We thank you for our preacher coming back. Lord, we ask you to be with his wife. If she's troubled right now, we ask you to touch yeah. her in a special way, Lord. Be with her in a special way, Lord. And all others, Lord, that's needing help today, we pray that you be with them and bless them in a special way. Now go with us, lead God in the rest. We give you all the praise for it. All these blessings I ask in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.